much input should the quarterback have in organizational moves? Veteran quarterback. Yeah, I think it depends on who it is. You know, I think. Well, how about you? you? How much do you have any say in what Seattle does offensively with free agents or draft draft picks? Uh, (laughs) uh, I think that it's. uh, You know, I I think that ultimately, for me personally, you know, I think that I want to be able to be involved because at the end of the day, it's your legacy, it's your team's legacy, it's you know, it's the guys you get to go into the huddle with, and at the end of the day, those guys you got to trust. You know, when you think about, you know, one of the reasons why Tom went to. Tampa was because he, he felt like he could trust those guys and Bruce was going to give him the opportunity. I think, I think for, you know, every situation, you have to be able to go into a situation, you know, you think about guys like LeBron, he was able to, you know, be around great players that he can trust. I think for, for me, you know, uh, anytime you bring free agents in, you know, are the players, you want the best players, guys, you know, love the game, guys, you want to be a part of that. And as a player, you kind of know that you get to be around pro bowls, you get to kind of see these guys, you get to be in the huddle with the linemen or, or receivers, or, you know, um, get to be around defensive guys. And so you kind of, you kind of build that over time and get to see who can really play, you know, as a player, you really know. So I think that, um, I think that relationship's really key in that dialogue between, you know, um, you know, especially being a veteran player, you, you know, that dialogue is really important. Yeah, but that's a long-winded way of not answering my question. Are you involved in personnel decisions? Have you been involved in personnel decisions? Not not as much. I don't, you know, I think that, uh, you know, for Do you want to be involved, Russ? Yeah, I, I think it helps. I think it helps to, to, to be involved more. Um, but I think that's that dialogue should, should happen more often, in my opinion. It's going to be a long off season. Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast, the first off season one, eight, uh, just a, over a week since Super Bowl 55. It's 55 this year. Uh, yeah, so it's been a long week and it's got, what, another 29 of all these to come. Join myself, Stuart Court, is as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? We, I, mean, I was just thinking about these off-season podcasts. The problem is, especially with the Seahawks, there's just nothing ever to talk about. <laughs> well, so I, I text you Monday, Tuesday last week. Monday last week, I was like, look, should we pod just to get some out? And I was thinking, right, we're going to have like a Super Bowl chat. Maybe something will happen with... Carson or Shaq or maybe even Jamal and then uh, Russell Wilson goes on the Dan Patrick show and all how breaks this yeah um, I think off the top rope is what you would say in kind of your wrestling circles um, from nowhere just everyone's just uh, you know those memes where it says like no one absolutely no one and then Russell Wilson <laughs> that kind of feels how last week went Um just bizarre. Yeah, it was it was very strange. It was very. I mean, I think we, we I think we put on socials as well that it's so good from Dan Patrick. Mm. It's so so good because he he realizes about five seconds into Russell Wilson's response that it's just Russell Wilson waffle, and it's the doubling down on the question, which kind of gives him the gold, which yeah, just sparked everything into life. So. Obviously, Russell Wilson was only on because he won Walter, Walter Payton Man of the Year on Super Bowl weekend on the honours. And then I'm pretty certain that's the same reason he did a media blitz, a GQ thing apart. I think he was also on Ellen or some point, at some point mm-hmm. last week as well. But um, what, was your, what was your initial reaction to the, uh, the words that the Seahawks quarterback said on DP? It's quite difficult because we've had a week since we've, you know, this happened and if I immerse myself in, you know, all of the Seattle sports radio, you can get your hands on just to hear as many views as you want. So I'm probably plagiarizing people's opinions to kind of come up with my own view. Cause at the start, I just thought, wow, this is quite a strange U-turn or left turn from Wilson, given his previous uh, media nothingness to, to do this. Um, and I, I've floated around by, you know, trying to apportion blame for how, how we've got to this situation. And whilst there are obviously issues that the team needs to resolve and we'll sort this out at some point, I think the fact that Wilson says about it's about his legacy and then his, it's the, about the team's legacy, he lost me with that, I have to say. Um, and having heard of quite a few kind of national media, or Seattle media people talking about it, you don't get players talking publicly during their career about their own legacy as a primary concern for 
what the team should be like. And, you know, we'll talk about whether the quarterback should have, you know, say with the front office staff, but ultimately the idea that his legacy was his first priority, which isn't a surprise. We've discussed that a few times that that's what he cares about, but the fact that he made that his number one thing, he kind of lost me with it. And um, I think as well as the offensive line guys not being happy with them being literally thrown under the bus, you do wonder like whether Bobby Wagner gives a shit about Russell Wilson's legacy and the answer will, will be no. Um, but that's not what a team should be playing for. So I found that a tough one to uh, to reconcile with. Yeah, but yeah, I I I really think Russell Wilson's a smart dude, obviously, but I, I really think that he didn't expect Dan Patrick to badger him. It was just kind of, he was just, sputtering words he was sputtering the engine was sputtering a little bit on that that's not to yeah but it was a weird thing to say but it's all but it, it was just kind of like a few years ago we had that ESPN article where everyone was all the defense don't like him and don't like how he kind of got away from got away with the end of Super Bowl 49 but and reading that you can listening to it you can kind of see how he would rub the Bobby Wagners of the world the wrong way can't you because you can just see, like it's it's fine being so individually focused, but I mean, yeah, it it was it was just really weird. It was just the timing of it was strange when it was like, yeah, just everything was weird. And it's, I, I just I, there's clips for the last few years since he's been in Seattle from Dwayne Brown just calling out Russell Wilson on the sideline for like cadence issues and stuff. I'd love to have seen his reaction to. That I don't think any of the Seahawks linemen have been on social since last um, since that interview. It's just like I, I just love to see their initial visceral reaction to that because it's just it, yeah, it's just it's put, it's putting a blame on something in which he has to take some of that responsi- responsibility for, isn't it? For sure. I mean, the thing that struck me was how. Can you think of a journalist that's gone after him after a, a benign mundane answer before? Because we're going into year 10 now, and ultimately I'm thinking, well, where's that level of journalism been to the nonsense he's been spouting for the last, well, not it's not even nonsense, it's just been, you know, straight bat, very nothingy, go hawks. Yeah, political um, stuff. Political stuff. And the first time he's, he's been properly challenged on it, He's, I don't know. Yeah, you have to assume that most of what he says is calculated, and there was a way he was trying to, you know, feed this into an interview. Mm. But maybe that was stuff that was stashed away for you know June, July, and not February. Um, which yeah, he probably thought, football. yeah, you know, Walter Payton, softball. Thanks very much. Go Hawks. Go home. Mexico for the summer or whatever. Um, so I, I do wonder if maybe. You know, he he was slightly caught off guard by someone actually responding and calling out the nothingness. Yeah. Because yeah. right, he said you've not answered the question. Yeah. But he's like, never he, answered the question. <laughs> he cut him off. This is like literally like fifteen seconds. He goes, No, 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 that's not an answer. You've just waffled not a non-answer. What do you think? Because it straight away mm. goes, Yeah, we need to do this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, but another thing with all the Russell Wilson stuff is like he's not going anywhere. Like the amount of money that he's owed, he's not going. And there's, you can see on socials, although people, some people don't really follow it on that way, but a lot of people's priors were as ready as the airline was to be thrown in the bus by Russ. People's priors soon came up um, above ground and just kind of like, I don't know, there's a weird. Uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson was talking about legacy. When Russell Wilson does eventually walk off into the sunset or goes to another team, whenever that may be, it, his like era in Seattle is going to be weird to look back on. I, I, I he he wants to be Griffey, and I don't think he will be Griffey. No, he's not going to. This is going to make him more popular. No, with the general Seahawks fan base. No, but uh, but I also think the decade of stock answers, stock photo answers kind of thing. It's kind of like you ask anyone Ken Griffey Jr. And it's the same universal. I mean, like there's a stadium built because of him next to Central Field. I just don't see, I can't really think of a 
sporting comparison to make how he's going to be looked at, but he's just, I don't know. It, 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 yeah, it, it could be very Beckham at United. Mm. But I don't it's know. interesting that the natural comparisons, and I think he even mentioned like what LeBron James has, what Tom Brady has, but, but you're not those guys. No. <laughs> because those guys have won and carried teams by themselves. Obviously, it's five-man roster instead of 53 or five-man on, on the field and yeah. one man can can do a lot more. But you have to earn your right to be in that category. I mean, right now, he's in, he's, he's, he's not even in like the Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers category of guys that could be, you know, from a, from a if everyone retired tomorrow, Rodgers and Brees would be seen as a higher tier of quarterback than Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wilson's not been in a championship game for, for seven years, well, but when the next bout, batch comes around. So there's a little bit of delusion of, of his own of his yeah. own career that, that's yeah. creeping in slightly. Like, like you're not Tom Brady, and, and Tom Brady made himself that. So you need to make yourself that as well. Yeah, I, I, I think, I can't remember who it was. It might be Nick Wright, on, he's on Fox, said last week that um, the thing that sets LeBron and now Brady apart is that they've taken the culture that they had around them or they demand of their teammates to different places and have won. Obviously, LeBron's done it in three different places. Brady's now done it in two. I think that's what set Tiger Woods apart even further last year because he he's won the toughest tournaments to win in golf pretty much over three generations against three generations of players. Mm. Like he's done it on different times. Russell Wilson has done it, did it as Mahomes has done it over the first three, four years of his career and then it's kind of plateaued a bit. Well, obviously not all through his fault of his own, but it's that, it's that taking that next step, driving the team on to take that next step, which the Brady's, LeBron, Tiger... Obviously, in a more individual sport, but yeah, that's that, that's that's the next step. It's a step that Breeze and Rogers have struggled with. Mm. He also, through through no fault of his own, didn't do it like Mahomes either. Patrick no. Mahomes won his team, yeah, the Super Bowl, yeah. Um, Wilson, through no fault of his own, because he was surrounded by unbelievable talent. Yeah. Until Wilson wins one himself, there will always be the discussion of. Well, you know, that was defense and Marshall Lynch, which is reductive. Yeah. But Patrick Mahomes has a Super Bowl for himself. Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees have a Super Bowl for themselves. Wilson doesn't even have that yet. No. That's, that's another thing with Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger's got two. And neither really. I mean, the the second one is on a miracle play from Santonio Holmes. The first one is more talked, well, obviously we only see from our POV and biases, but we really talk more officiating stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's just, it's just a, I think as you said, like if it's come out in June, July, it'd make way more sense. But also another reason it doesn't make sense is that there's no linemen to go and improve this team, really. You're mm. going to draft unknowns. And Damian Lewis is, what? the only immediate success line pick we've had in post it's took four years to start Brit took two or three years to start and contribute um Okun obviously would come in but he was he was replacing I mean Walter Jones his shadow which is quite a large one to replace but uh, he, he had the easiest path but so that Lewis they've hit one lineman in ten years it's like there's no one on the free agency market really. It's going to be, I mean, Corey Lindsay's probably the only lineman who can probably legitimately look. Yeah, he's improved that spot, but it, that it was just everything about it was weird timing because I think as Rob Staten pointed out with um, oh, Con is it Conklin last year? Mm. Was it Ben Baldwin? I think one of them pointed out that was the year to do all this mm. because there was actual talent on the market this year. There's not really anything which you could point to saying yes that's an improvement apart from Corey Lindsley but he's going to cost a wedge of money well also we had the wedge of money last year and now, and now we don't yeah. um, it's interesting because whilst it's not a binary argument it's quite close in the sense that it's Russell Wilson basically versus Pete Carroll yeah. with this and what I found quite interesting is there hasn't been anything like the scrutiny on 
Pete Carroll and to an extent John Schneider that I wonder if Wilson thought he might be able to to bring out with this. Um, as you say, they've hit on two linemen in eight years and they've drafted a, a shit ton of them. You know, Wilson, if you look at the number of which, yeah, Brandon Marshall's about with his weird thing said, you know, they've drafted one lineman. That's rubbish. They've drafted more linemen than anyone, but they've got them all wrong. Um, and Pete Carroll is ultimately the de facto owner of the team right now, which I'm not sure is hugely helpful in, in a, a discussion and, and debate like this, but I'm quite interested in the fact that there has been very little scrutiny of saying, okay, well, that's what Russell Wilson thinks. There's been a lot of scrutiny of, you know, does he hold the ball too long? Should he take less money to give Pete, you know, open up cat space for other people? There hasn't really been anything of like, well, what the hell has Pete Carroll been doing for the last six, seven years on the personnel side? Because yeah. Wilson's not entirely wrong in the sense that the lines constructed in front of him have not been good enough. In addition to the fact that he holds the ball too long and takes too many sacks because of the style of football that he wants to play. Yeah. And I, I'm interested by how little scrutiny there's been on the other side of this argument, um, because I think there should be. Yeah, no, I definitely should be. But also... Like the thing with Pete and personality is that they changed the airline coach three years ago, weren't it? Because Schottenheimer came in with Solari, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, so three years ago, and really, apart from Dwayne Brown, nothing has really changed. Lewis was good uh, in spots in his rookie year. Obviously, he's you'd hope he's only going to improve, but Dwayne Brown was a, a relatively expensive trade. Obviously, the Jerry Mullane body breakdown kind of made that more expensive but like they, as you said they haven't drafted at all while apart from this one guy a year ago and it's just I don't this yeah it's 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 a strange... they've not drafted particularly well at all over the last eight years uh, no but I think I think the amount of swings they've took at the airline is the worst one. They haven't yeah. drafted a quarterback, which obviously that's another conversation. Uh, wide receiver, I think. I, I think um, DK is going to give that a lot of wiggle room. And Tyler Lockett. Lock it. I mean, even Paul Richardson. I mean, yeah, he kind of flamed out in Washington, but for what a season and a half. I mean, this last season in Seattle, he was unbelievable. Mm. That kind of hit, and then they. Yeah, I think they, have, they haven't hit at tight end. They haven't hit at defensive end. Well, well, I think they have defensive hit ta defensive tackle. They've done well. Yeah, they've, I think they've I drafted think... one good linebacker, and I would say maybe, maybe one good cornerback in Shaq Griffin. Yeah, they haven't drafted a good safety since uh, um, since Cam in the fifth, and that was the second safety they took in that draft. They. Um, Linebacker is going to be linebacker will be something we look back. I think this time next year. Mm. Yeah, but um, but yeah, like, I think the amount of swings and misses they've had on the airline is the reason is the biggest yeast to see us can't draft well because it's the most it's the most uh, tangible way that it's affecting Seahawks games because Rich Wilson is getting hit a lot, and when he gets hit a lot, as we saw maybe in the Buffalo Rams midseason swing. It affects everything. He's jumpy. He's a bit bit off and everything. That's because he just keep getting hit because the Seahawks aren't drafting well enough. I mean, they had, they must have had the oldest left tackle, left guard, football hmm. salvo in the league last year with uh, Patty and Dwayne Brown. I mean, like Jamarco Jones, Phil Haynes are there, and they just can't get. I mean, Jordan Simmons, who was a pickup on waivers was ahead of a sixth round pick and I think Phil Haynes was a fifth round pick yeah, it's just yeah I, I don't get how they haven't they have invested in the line just haven't done it well enough and I don't see how that is going to potentially improve this offseason so it just made it all a bit weird um, yeah I think that's mainly all on the Russell Wilson stuff isn't it yeah I think I've, and I've been speaking to you about this privately. It would be fascinating to see what would happen with this if there was no dead cap in the NFL. Yeah. If there was nothing, you know, the Seahawks are going to be saddled with what thirty nine million dollars. I think it would. I think it's forty three. 
fine. I mean, a hefty chunk of change um, if they were to trade Wilson. And that pretty much makes it a non-starter. However, I think if there, if that didn't exist, and I think it's the same with the Sean Watson, if there was no dead cap and someone said, here's three first round picks and ultimately $43 million in cap space for you this season, I wonder if that would make a difference because I feel at the moment that we're seeing, and people have done quite well to not discuss this or overplay it too much, but I do wonder if we're seeing irreparable fissures in the relationship, football relationship between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it started from the minute Russell Wilson's press conference started, was it three, four days after Schottenheimer? Mm-hmm. It probably started in the building before that. Like, I mean, didn't Russell Wilson say he he, he heard it from Schottenheimer? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't get Pete Carroll's phone call. Carroll called him and he missed the call. And then Schottenheimer called him straight after. I mean, and that's yeah, bollocks, isn't and, it? Yeah, and that's not really on, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing that Russell Wilson's kind of sending like weird smoke signals to Schneider. Look, I want to be if if while you're here, I want to be here. But like, it definitely Schneider Wilson is Schneider's guy. He wasn't Russell Wilson's guy. DJ Reed mm. was Schneider's guy. He wasn't uh, Pete Carroll's guy. It's, it's yeah. It's um, and they're here for the next few years, uh, more than likely. Um, but yeah, the Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere. I, I also think that dead cap stuff is uh, why um, player power doesn't really work as regularly as it does in basketball. So you see LeBron just go, yeah, go on, go and get, go get me Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Don't get me him. It doesn't really work in the NFL like that. It also, yeah, and also, Russell Wilson wasn't done Patrick twenty four hours after watching um, his man Antonio Brown score in and win a Super Bowl, which may have been that was like the first glimpse of him stepping up, stepping over the line a bit, wasn't it? That is all this stuff in the summer where he just come out and said, "Yes, I want us to sign him," kind of thing. It kind of. That was like the first sign of Russell Wilson growing up, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would suggest that asking for someone of the character of Antonio Brown on your team shouldn't be seen as a positive reflection on you, whether or not he's caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, no. And I think if if your reaction to seeing him score a touchdown in the Super Bowl is like, well, we should have signed him because of that, then I would suggest that maybe your priorities need to be uh, slightly realigned because... Uh, that's not a person I'd want anywhere near my franchise and uh, and, and my team. No, same here. Um, I'll surf for Seahawks. It's not really a lot happening. The Russell Wilson thing come out over the weekend was that um, basically that Shane Waldron was the best of a bad bunch of OCs in his book, which is another thing which could be interesting in the next few months. But that is basically it. It's kind of just like the uh, the Wild West film, Stant, the standoff kind of thing isn't it just waiting for free agency to come around and all that nonsense and chaos and carnage to pop off and see where Messrs Carson and Shaquille Griffin end up well I was thinking last night there is there is really no market for Chris Carson like where is Mm. Chris Carson gonna go the Jets yeah but they've got two first round picks and you've got a decent two or three running backs in the draft but would you really use one of those on a running back when you can get one for two years, $8 million, $10 million? Yeah, I don't know. It's just 22, 23-year-old Najee Harris mm. or what, 27-year-old mm. Chris Carson? It's, yeah, that'd be the decision, but it'd be interesting to watch. Um, yeah. do, you think, do you think the Seahawks are just hoping that this blows over with Wilson because I yeah. can't see it happening before it, the, the, when, when the interviews start around the draft and I don't know what they're going to do for the combine if there's going to be any sorts of general manager interviews which are normally the highlight of the combine <laughs> like this isn't just going to it's not going to be in a few months oh yeah do you remember when Russell Wilson just called his whole team a bunch of fucking idiots yeah. that's not just going to be forgotten yeah he, he talks about trust like trusting the people he's in the huddle with which, yeah, uh, no, it, it it won't be forgotten. I don't think. I, I I think they are hoping for that, but I think because 
unless something seismic happens in between now and whenever Schneider steps up into a Zoom call, um, it's going to be the first thing asked of him, probably. Unless, the, uh, the more interesting thing really is how the next year plays out before this time next year when a trade is much more viable for both sides, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna be long, long off season. It's what it's nine days and ten days into it, and it's already tiring. As you see, might do might do guys picking up a hefty drinking habit. I think. <laughs> I said to you um, a couple of days ago that I mean, obviously, Paul Allen completely walks on water in Seattle, and, and rightly so. Um, and his untimely passing led the team to be handed down to Jody Allen, who, for all intents and purposes, doesn't appear to be the most proactive of owners, and, and nor should she be. That's not what she wants to do. That, that's no problem at all. In giving Pete Carroll a five-year deal, as I said, he's become almost the de facto owner of the team. And when he's one side of this argument, that doesn't seem particularly helpful. And I wonder if if there was someone higher up the, the ladder of a proper owner in inverted commas do you think this has been nipped in the bud quicker than it has been now because as I say there hasn't even been a clarification from Wilson Wilson could very easily say do you know what I got my words fumbled my mistake can't wait for next year to go Hawks but it, it's been quite stark that there's been nothing yeah he was just he was just, he was just plugging his GQ oh god that was awful to read um, that whole thing is just awful um, yeah no I think they will but he but doesn't also... want this to go away he... no but we, but I think I think Marshawn's even talked about it. Like Marshawn and Paul Allen were weirdly tight for uh, what a, a dreadlocked running back from Oakland and a businessman billionaire from Seattle. Like he, I think he played a part of him coming back for when he got all of that money. What was it 2015, 2014, 2015? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, th- I think Paul Allen would be instrumental if he was still around. But also, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do think this is the kind of like first. Oh yeah, he's not he's not around anymore. There's kind of no one really at the wheel, and the person at the wheel is who these comments were probably aimed at. What do you reckon the percentage is now of Wilson playing his whole career in Seattle? <clears throat> I mean. Tom Brady didn't play his whole career in New England. Well, I mean, let's say he's, he's what thirty three now. Let's say play the next five years in Seattle. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I think he plays another contract in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Like who that is with, obviously we don't really know. But yeah, like we talked about before, like there's no clear like succession plan before after Pete. Obviously, Pete is just all about day after day, week after week, and all that stuff. But like, it's going to come a time when. The juices are surely going to be on short supply for Pete, aren't they? And it's just like there's no clear. I mean, yeah. I mean, what control is he going to have once he leaves? Because Pete Carroll doesn't strike me as someone who's going to completely go mm. off into the sunset. It sounds like this mirrors fairly similarly what happened at USC with Carroll. Know that he was such an all encompassing power across the whole thing that. It's just going to leave an enormous vacuum in so many areas when it's over. Yeah. So all we need is uh, Russell Wilson to, for some reason, have the Water Payton Man of the Year award stripped from him. Mm-hmm. And Pete Carroll will run off to college football ranks again. Perfect. Because I mean, Reggie Post lost his Heisman and Pete Carroll went running. So that's all we need. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not great. And then we got the Rams getting a quarterback. I mean, this Deshaun Watson chat, even Sam Darnold chat for the 49ers is concerning. Yeah. Like the the Seahawks the Seahawks aren't winning the NFC West next year. Unless some unless they absolutely either go after it or nail three or four moves in the offseason. They ain't winning the NFC West next year. Well we'll go on to talking about the Super Bowl, but it did strike me watching the Tampa Bay game. Uh obviously the Tampa Bay of the Super Bowl for goodness sake. <laughs> I've been breaking down in my head every position group of the Buccaneers and I suppose you can say you know Wilson or Brady is one thing but I think the Bucs have us on every other position yes well 
I don't know. Like, I don't, apart from Winfield, I'm not sure if their DBs are any good. They're just perhaps not really well coached and put in position. They were just like, that was an unbelievably coached game from the Bucks defense. Hmm. Todd Bowles is, he'll probably be forgotten because that's how those things happen as well. But he should get another a, a shot at another top job because that was unbelievable to watch. Hmm. It was like, but the biggest thing I, I, I for some reason, watched that game twice. I watched a podcast with uh, Warren Sapp on and a couple of comedians I watch. Um, so I watched the game twice. And it's just, it was the speed. The speed, like Devin White should have won Super Bowl MVP. Mm. I'm not saying that because I had a five on him at 80 to one. He should have won <laughs> Super Bowl MVP. He was everywhere. Yeah. He had the interception at the end of the game, but he was, he was, Literally sideline to sideline. He covered every play of the grass. The right way David next to him was doing the same. Vita Vare, the old Husky up front, the big body up front, was just immovable by the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs line was not their first uh, run unit, but even so, it's just on that defense, it was just speed. And we just mm. don't, apart from Jamal. I mean, apart from Jamal, we didn't see that on the Seahawks defense, actually. I mean, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright were in the right positions, but they weren't flying around the field. Like, I mean, I, I mean Levante David was in the same draft class as Bobby Wagner. Hmm. And he just seemed to be playing with way more freedom than Bobby Wagner did for stretches of 20, the last couple of years. It's just, yeah, the defensive side of the box is... <clears throat> is, is, is impressive the offensive side but like I don't know They've had, they have had a few years of having early picks which are but again mm. you have to nail them like Tristan Wirtz is unbelievable Mike Evans was an only pick Chris Godwin was a relatively early pick I mean Ronald Jones was a second round pick and he's not playing behind four net they took a third round running back last year it's just yeah it was just it, it was not comfortable to watch no because um, even even Mahomes nine points I mean it's he has like the four greatest incompletions ever. Yeah, he could easily have thrown three touchdowns if the Chiefs could catch. Yeah. I mean, Travis Kelsey had 140 yards and mm. dropped like four passes. Do you know what I felt really weirdly? Our first podcast after a game this season against Atlanta, mm. I think I remember saying that for the first time, I feel like we've got so much more depth than we had before. You know, there's people like Penny Hart, um, Freddie Swain catching passes. And the Super Bowl made me think of that game for some reason. Because for Penny Hart and Freddie Swain, that for me is like me, Cole Hardman. And when Hardman is on it and it goes well, he can elevate himself to make it feel like he's could be a, you know, a real con- contributing factor. But then also there's a reason he's me, Cole Hardman and not Tyreek Hill. And there's a reason that you know, Freddie Swain is Freddie Swain. And the Super Bowl for that, you know, Hardman was a disaster. Mm. There were a couple of balls he didn't turn his head around to look where he was. Um, there's one that hit him in the face mask in the end zone. And it, it, it's interesting how game by game, and it's probably the same is true of all sports, how depth can seem so much uh, stronger when your, your guy, like Jacob Hollister last year, he put himself in a position where for four or five games, he's like, wow, this guy could be a starting tight end. And then he regresses to the mean. And that's what we saw last year. And I felt, I felt that about the chiefs that they had guys that were maxing out their ability on a, such a regular basis, but ultimately there will be a regression to the mean eventually. Yeah. And the chiefs didn't have that because they had Godwin, they had Evans, um, they had Johnson, they had Gronkowski. I mean, he's amazing. Still Gronk. It's, he's got two touchdowns. It's incredible. Uh, he's, it, like, Cameron Bray is a real <clears throat> tight end. Like Cameron Bray, Jacob Hollister yeah. can play like Cameron Bray sometimes. Yeah. But that's Jacob Hollister at the peak of his powers. Yeah. Well, Cameron Bray was a really good tight end. And then they drafted OJ Howard. Mm. And then then they signed Rob, Rob Gronkowski. And then Cameron Bray is catching passes in the Super Bowl still. Mm. So he's been there a while. Um, yeah. I also think there's a lot. That's another thing where like Russell Wilson needs to step up because the one reason McCole Hardman, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller are making plays in the Super Bowl and championship games, because the quarterback is getting the ball to them mm. and putting them in positions to pop. 
mean, Scotty Miller was everywhere between Super Bowl, uh, Championship game and Super Bowl. Like, mm. I, I, I think any non-Bucks fan probably hadn't heard of him in November. Mm. Unless you're really deep in your dynasty drafts. Also, Brady was largely untouched. Yeah. For, for the whole game. And part of the reason, I, th- I think he was getting the ball out within 2.5 seconds. Which is probably why Russell Wilson come out and said what he did. Because he mm. thinks he can do what Brady did with Evans, Godwin and Gronk with DK, Tyler and probably TBD. But the elephant in the room with that is that Tom Brady is six foot four, six foot five in the Sierra of line of scrimmage. And Russell Wilson, through no fault of his own, can't. No. And so our, our intermediate passing game for six, seven yards doesn't really exist. No. Yeah, well, not well, yeah, not how it worked for um, Brady, but, it, yeah, it's it's going to be such a long off-season. And watching yeah. Super Bowl twice is <laughs> probably not a, a smart decision. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's a good game, though, wasn't it? It was fun. Mm. I mean, I drank a lot. <laughs> but it was fun. So, welcome. I enjoyed it. I, the, the one thing that I couldn't believe was Andy Reid taking those timeouts at the end of the first quarter. Uh, obviously, the referees didn't help them, and I know that they're always aggressive. And so, I, I guess you shouldn't criticize process when it's worked for you a lot, a, a lot in the past. But it was fourteen six when Brady had the ball to start that last drive of the first half. The Chiefs were not scoring another point in that half without making serious halftime adjustments. And I don't know why they didn't just say, let's get to the locker room within one score. We get the ball next. Yeah. Um, taking timeouts to try and chase points to get back in the game just felt like a really poor situation and strategy uh, at that time to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, obviously, the Super Bowl ended all conversations of anyone being probably ever better than Tom Brady. Yeah, because I think I, I think I text you or text our group chat that the, the, the he's now beat Mahomes, um, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Kurt Warner uh, in four of his seven Super Bowls. He's mm. lost to Foles and Eli, <laughs> but he's beat the people always in the, the well. Kurt was in the Hall of Fame. Mahomes is. Fast tracking his way too there. I mean, I think they might change eligibility rules when he retires <laughs> to get him in. But yeah, it's just he's he's unbelievable. And then we saw him absolutely blasted on a boat. What two three days later, which just kind of put him on a different stratosphere again, Adam, because that was absolutely amazing. Imagine saying twelve months ago that Tom Brady might be one of the most popular men in American football. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? How things change. Yeah. I mean, like he, he, like he was so good that even New England, like Boston, was supporting him. Mm. A year ago, they wanted to maim him, and now they're um, supporting him. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. And yeah, he's he's going to be untouched, I think, in the sport of NFL. At least he's going to be untouched for a, a few generations, if not. Forever. Um, NFL, NFL wise, do you have a quick spin in the bin? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, I'll go first. Urban Meyer can get in the bin. Someone <laughs> who is at Ohio State and just doesn't come across as the nicest bloke, I guess. He just seems a bit off, I think. In like, I don't know. It's for, like, it just, there's something I don't like about Urban Meyer. And he had all the gym. Jim Jordan up in Ohio mm. State he had like the sexual assault claims and he kind of was told about it and kept quiet about it very Joe Paterno obviously Joe Paterno's was a hell of a lot worse but and then he takes the Jacksonville job because of Trevor Lawrence he doesn't take it for the project he doesn't take it for the city of Jacksonville or to work with DJ Shark or James Robinson he takes it because he can coach for two or three years um a generational quarterback coming into the league. He then hires Chris Doyle, who was sacked less than a year ago from uh, uh, Iowa, I think it was, mm-hmm. for a extensive list of racial, verbal, physical abuse, alleged, from uh, Iowa players, from their strength and conditioning guy. And it was so. Like, I think people, are, players, hospitalised, and he was just, 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 yeah. 
And Urban Meyer thinks he's bit, he's one of my mates. I'll give him an NFL job and no one will notice. <laughs> and 23 hours after he was hired, after, was it extensively vetted by Urban Meyer, he was fired. Just Urban Meyer is just the worst. And it's just, he's, the fact that, I think we took the thing we've seen on from people that Eric Bellamy was for one reason he didn't get a job this year is because his history is smudged a bit. I think it's fair to say he's got a few claims against him himself, but he didn't get an NFL head coaching job when his merits were all there for everyone pretty much to see and to bang the drum for. Chris Doyle and Urban Meyer did have NFL jobs for a day. Uh, and like more, more like Crystal get going from Iowa college conditioning coach to the NFL <laughs> is ridiculous. And it's just, yeah, it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff attached to it. It's just, I, I, I yeah, I, 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 I kind of wish Trevor Lance had stayed in school now, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. There's not a lot I can, uh, can say to that afterwards, but that's pretty, uh, <laughs> Pretty well put, my friend. Yeah, well, there's something. Uh, Katie Nolan tweeted, Oh my God, he actually hired Chris Doyle. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, he's the worst. He's the absolute worst. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else for you? Um, there was something about Steve Smith that came up that he got flamed for, and I can't remember what it was exactly. Um, what the can I- Panthers wide receiver or the Aussie? <laughs> well, they can put the Aussie on <laughs> fucking bin. Um, I'm going to preemptively put JJ Watt in the bin if he chooses to go to the Green Bay Packers because it will really piss me off to see one of my favourite players go to my least <laughs> favourite team. So, so that'd be like what? What's like the football? Who, who would go to Arsenal which would piss you off? Apart from anyone, but... Yeah, I mean, like, if Messi would sully his reputation, obviously he wouldn't <laughs> ever take such a step down. Um, yeah. I, it would really... JJ Watt, I mean, I think you had a real t- 180 up with JJ Watt. I don't think you used to really dislike him and yeah. now uh, quite a big fan, but seeing him in that, oh, with those holier-than-thou pricks would just be so frustrating. Yeah, also, he's not going to Seattle. No. No. Like, yeah, th- that's not happening either. I think he'll go to Buffalo... I think we'll take a pay cut and go to Pittsburgh. What, to play with his brothers? Yeah, yeah, because it's brothers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, don't have to fullback. He's got so much money already. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's earning potential is going to drop one iota when he retires. Um, And that family strike me as the kind of... You you saw TJ Watt doing the the rock gif of uh, the hand, yeah, bring it on. Um... And I just wonder if, if family ties, because it's as you say, it's brothers, not just brother, that might might, might bring those three together again. Yeah, that's uh, it. That just seemed, but yeah, I'd I'd just go to Buffalo. You're going to be in the AFC Championship game probably next year. <clears throat> You're not going to be required to do all the heavy lifting he was in Houston for the last couple of years, obviously since they let Clowney walk. I mean, what is going on in Houston, man? 13 months ago they were 24 nil up in Kansas City and now JJ Watt is on the heap Nock Hopkins is in Arizona Bill O'Brien's in Alabama and Deshaun Watson wants to go to Timbuktu they'll they'll have lost their three best franchise players in 15 months (laughs) mad really yeah and and they're not going to get well, they're going to get a lot for Deshaun, but they didn't get really anything for Nock. They didn't get anything for JJ Watt. I mean, imagine losing your best players from an era of a team and not getting anything for it, Adam. Can't relate. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there was someone else I wanted to put in the bin, but I can't think. Oh, one thing, uh, not it's kind of been related, but obviously you might, probably ain't going to hear this. No one really listens to this podcast, but uh, best wishes to... Uh, I can't believe I'm saying these words, Adam. Colin Cowherd, who uh, put on socials last week that he's going to be off air for a bit as he, the doctors have discovered 
a blood clot on his lung, so he'll be off hmm. air for a few weeks, which obviously he's he's a bit tiresome when he's in the Colin Coward character mode, but that doesn't not especially at the minute with everything happening in the world, it doesn't sound an ideal health thing to go through at any time, but it's particularly at the minute. So yeah, best wishes to Cowherd and hope he's making horrendous takes on TV so we can put him back in the bin in a few months' time, Adam. Yeah, I mean, he's a regular listener to the show. He often tweets in. <laughs> so uh, you, you do have to hope that he, yeah. uh, he recovers. What really I, I, I just want to get some good karma, so I thought I'd bring up Colin Cowherd and just send... You've done well. We, we, we should, speaking of uh, of health, kind of touch on poor Vincent Jackson, who uh, passed away yesterday. I think you've got more information on it than I have. Yeah, it... it it does sound like um, it's a somewhat, as Will said in our group chat, it's a bit of a more, becoming a bit of a more familiar story um, with these players. I mean, he, he, was, he stopped playing four years ago. He's playing in 2016, 38 years old, and I think there's well, talk of a welfare check from his family over the weekend, and yeah, found it yesterday at 38. There's, like we, there's, I think we said in a different context last week, last time about like the mental health side of the NFL really is a blind spot. It is for most sports. So obviously we saw over here a few years ago with like Gary Speed and um, the the German goalkeeper a few years ago as well, so who had that heartbreaking, oh. heartbreaking book, which come out, which is just awful. But like, it's just, it's weird with everything that maybe sport is getting right and getting wrong in modern times that they just seem to still have that mental health blind spot and it's probably the next thing which needs to be addressed uh, in pretty much all sports right? is it the mental health stuff we kind of seen it in a minute with cricket where they're giving players breaks because of all like the quarantines and the hotels and the bubbles and everything but apart from that I think sport has a widespread issue with this don't they Adam yeah I think a few years ago Maurice Jones drew he was he wasn't obviously was not trying to defend um, people that you know, abuse and assault family members. But I think he was saying that as a player, he found it incredibly difficult to be told to be ultimately like a killing machine when he was in the building and on game day and fired up to hurt people. And just switching that mindset off is not an easy thing to do. Um, and was particularly trying on on mental health. It was quite a shocking thing to listen to, yeah. um, the way in which he was framing it. But it was interesting, you know, and, and, and you know, obviously cricket and football and there the, the the mental struggles of that are are tremendous. But I don't think they even scratch the surface of the place you have to get yourself into to play NFL football on a regular basis. Um, and I can imagine it is very difficult for players to. To, to turn that off especially when you enter kind of into the normal world and you have to relate to people that have no idea what that's like it must be particularly difficult and it's no surprise when you know we see on socials a lot of the seal players you know they hang out together they're, they're still very friendly and i imagine that that's a source of, of comfort for them because it's yeah. one of the few groups of people that can actually relate to what they went through in their in their formative years of life and now they're kind of early 30s our age with really their whole life to go but their life has sort of happened already uh, so it must be very difficult yeah and also that's i think that's a massive not a massive part but it's it's probably a fair chunk of the reason tom brady's still playing because mm. he doesn't want to turn that part of his brain off jimmy anderson said that that he goes the, like he's heard people talk about how they love the game and stuff he goes that's why i still go out there and bowl in uh, Indian conditions at these 39 years old because I just love doing it and I can't imagine not doing anything else it's just yeah accepting that and that transition which is probably the toughest part and yeah it's clearly that Vincent Jackson over the last few years has maybe had some issues which because he's out of sight and not in the league is out of mind which is kind of the main crux of the issue one more thing on I mean I was not and I'm not an avid listener but I know you were and kind of um, affected by it a couple, oh, of, weeks, God, a couple yeah. of days before the Super Bowl. I just want to talk about um, the passing of Iran NFL, NFL Networks. I mean, he's an unbelievable writer. The stuff, the, the stuff I've read from him was absolutely incredible. So, I just want to quickly talk about um, your vantage point and the passing of uh, Chris Westland, Adam. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the Around the NFL was the first podcast that I listened to of any kind. I, I think I started listening in 2013, which was pretty much the first or second, yeah, second year that I'd really started to immerse myself in watching American football and wanted to learn more about it. And you will have seen anyone that was even had a passing interest in American football, social media, the outpouring uh, and the stories was testament to what a great guy he is. And it's a completely unique podcast, that one, because it is for proper best mates who are doing a mainstream show for the NFL. It's not, you know, there's no business. It's, it's all love with them. You know, they were all best men at Chris's wedding a couple of years ago. And Wes was very much, uh, kind of a nomadic figure, I think, and then came to Los Angeles or went to Los Angeles, met the guys and probably found himself a future for the first time. Um, met his wife there, had an amazing son. Um, but unfortunately, you know, with, with cancer, as I'm sure we all know or know of someone, um, it, uh, it, it doesn't, doesn't discriminate uh, and you, you can just be unlucky. Um, but I find it really tough. I mean, I'm not going to go down the, the cliche of, you know, the Around the NFL podcast inspired me to get into podcasting, but I'm not going to lie and say that listening to them didn't give me an interest in podcasts in general and made me think, well, you know, maybe, you know, when, when you asked me, you know, do I want to do one? It was, I kind of thought, oh yeah, they do that. And I listened to that and, um, and I love it. And uh, yeah, I was much more shocked than I thought I was going to be by it. And um I know a few few of the listeners that to, to this show that we, we interact with on a regular basis also listen to that one. Um, and look, hopefully, the, the, the only thing you can take from it is there's been an enormous outpouring financially. I think the, the GoFundMe reached over a quarter of a million dollars, which is testament to, to how, how how much of a, an impact that show's had on people. Um, and, and hopefully a link that their son grows up and can get some great stories about his old man because um, there's been plenty flying around. And so, uh, yeah, we just wish that whole family really well. Yeah, it was awful. Awful. It also, me, like I said, I didn't really listen to it, so I don't really have the connection, but it's still, it's just so, so sad, especially for that little uh, kid who's just, yeah, he's, like you say, he's just going to live vicariously through other people's stories about his old man. But also I think it did show how... Rich Eisen is the best at what he does because he went from giving an incredible like six, seven, eight minute tribute to his NFL Network colleague and then 15 minutes later was screaming down the camera because the cannons kept going off in Buckingham Stadium and they weren't being prepped. He's just, he's the best and kind of showed just how widespread that job could be because he's done it before obviously when Stuart Scott died a few years ago as well. It's just, yeah, it was just really sad. And uh, yeah, I know a few people who listened to this pod um, kind of echo everything you've just said, uh, Adam. Um, I think that's everything, isn't it? You can try and finish on a brighter note if you want. No, I think we've uh, we, we've, we've covered it all now, Stu. We've, yeah, we, we've settled all all <laughs> ills of Seahawk society. Yeah. So, we, oh, we did have some uh, questions actually. Let me just ah. dig those up because we were supposed to do. A podcast last week but then you decided to feed half of proper london adam so <laughs> uh which player dave bailey asked us which player do the panel and good thing that means me and you adam it's the most the likely, panel really it's the most likely to be traded away to drain some draft cap for him it's tyler lockett i think we talked about this a few weeks ago i don't see him trading tyler lockett because i don't see tyler lockett being around for much longer um, I've, it's it's Jaron Reed is probably the only one. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Jamal Adams, but that would just be the dumbest thing that this team has ever done. Russell Wilson, Jamal Adams, and DK Metcalf are the only three players on the roster with serious drafts. Day one draft value, yeah, and even Jamal, even day, even, I'm not even sure there's anyone with day two. Draft value? Probably not. You I might mean, get a second round for Jordan Brooks, but obviously, you know, his rookie if, deal, that's never going to happen. If, if, you, if you get a third round for John Reed, you're looking at a playoff team. Yeah. It's like the mm-hmm. back end comp pick kind of. Yeah. So it's only those three guys that will give you anything back in the draft. Um, 
I have thoughts on DK Metcalf and his potential new contract that I will happily visit at another time, but this isn't the year to be doing that. No. I, I, I really do think they're going to trade Jaron Reed. I've got no... And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give a shit if that happened. <laughs> I mean, I would if my jersey I got of his didn't fall apart after one wash. That's true. Which is maybe... Indicative of his career, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah but I think one, he, one decent cycle. He's the likeliest one. I, I think we said on the last pod, Shaquille Griffin isn't coming back. No. Uh, what's the Colts for that? Um, I don't think Carson will be back. But then again, thinking about yesterday, I said, I, I don't know who would sign him. So maybe he will be back. But I hope not, because I really want to draft Brennan Knox. I'm <laughs> Marshall, as I wrote about the other day. Uh, Dave also asked, does Dwayne Brown play at left tackle next season? I think injuries are taking a toll, despite him having a strong season last year. I mean, he was our best lineman last year, most consistent lineman last year. He, he, he'd have come out by now if he weren't going to be here next year, wouldn't he? You'd have thought so. Um, is it The Longest Yard, the film with Adam Sandler, that's the Mean Machine remake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Dwayne Brown would probably want to play the first couple of snaps just to do that to Russell Wilson where they, <laughs> they let the whole offensive line just walk to one side and let the quarterback get annihilated uh, after the off-season comments. So, for that alone, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Ryan asked, do you think we'll see the trade similar to the Frank Clark trade in an attempt to recover some track cap? Not what we got for Frank Clark. Adams is the only one that would, would do that for you. What? Well, well, the quarterback, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the thing with Frank Clark is that they had they were going to pay him, and then Kansas rang up and goes, "No, we'll give you all of this mm. for the player that you want to keep." And then he's kind of been—I mean, he wasn't great in the Super Bowl. It is worth saying that we are in a bit of a tight spot this off season. Yeah. So I've yeah. So I've I've done over the weekend. I wrote three drafting Seahawks profiles. I really only should do one more because I've so many draft picks. <laughs> but oh uh, yeah, four draft picks is a problem uh, this year. But it, I mean, you're probably giving them way too much credit. This is a weird, another weird draft season. I mean, was that another reason they went all in on Jamal? Do you think they kind of figured slash hoped that this draft season would? And feel like it is obviously no combine pro days are going to be limited capacity I think limited uh, people are allowed to go to pro days and then obviously you got all the virtual zoom meetings instead of face to face at the combine and then in the building as it was last do you think that's given them it's, it's given way well, too much credit but the thing is that the players aren't worse they just haven't had the opportunity yeah that's true that's probably true I don't know I, 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 yeah yeah, so I'm I'm glad they made the Jamal Adams trade because it was fun to watch. But like, at least one of those picks would be nice. Yeah, the third round pick I think really messes you up. Yeah, and even the first round pick to get the third round pick, like just give them, yeah. give them, even it's like next year's first round pick. Like it should have been two first rounders. And McDougal for Jamal Adams and a third. Yeah. Not not to the player and the third for one player. That I mean that really was mental for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh for a linebacker well, yeah, that's another question. Like, he's 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 gonna be Jimmy Graham in New Orleans, by the way. Yeah. He's gonna be Annoying. That's that's all to come in this fun, quiet <laughs> off season for Seahawks. Oh, I can't. It's thirty weeks away from the start of the next NFL season. Um, but yeah, we're slowly starting to wake up again, again now, Adam. In twenty twenty one, vaccines are working. It seems. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it won't be all bad in the next few months. Maybe it'll just be. I mean, cough may go down and Spurs may finish below Arsenal, but. Apart from that, which also may be traded. Jamal Adams may not may hold out. Bobby Wagner, Dwayne Brown, and KJ Wright might retire. Harry Kane might finally leave. All to look forward to. <laughs> so yeah, this has been the Gun positive pod. Year. Positive pod of the year. We'll be back um, 
Uh, maybe next week. We'll be back when there's news. Yeah. Cool. Until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks. Oh.